Hey, Pepin. Yo, yo. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about words. Words? Yeah, you know how sometimes you have a series of words that go together to form a concept? Like a sentence or like a Yeah, like a sentence. And then you have a whole bunch of sentences in a row, but they're bullet pointed and maybe not consecutive yeah so they like build something i guess or build like a greater idea it's kind of yeah more more that they're all on the same topic but not necessarily the same thing or they don't have one linear path oh it's kind of like a list like yeah like a list yeah like that's a, the word i'm looking for like a random topics and discussions and exactly we've done that before yeah you know you look like you have a list right now. I do. Oh my goodness, I can read that on your face. Wow, how did you know? Oh, jeez. It was your list lines. Uh, with your eyes. They're like crow's feet, but more listed. More uh, listy. We need to talk? Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. I am here once. Hey, Nate, you remember that time that we had Anita Oswalt on and you guys were making fun of me for the opening that I had? And I was like, welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. And you were laughing. You're like, so glad you guys could join us as if I never say that. But I literally say that every time. Do you? Yes. Every time, Nate. It's burned into my memory. Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. That's what I always say, but you made fun of me, and it felt unnatural when you were making fun of me, and then I realized I always say it. All right, that's out there now. I feel I, I, better. Have you been thinking about that for a while? I've been thinking about that every day for my, the last months. Okay. It seems a little obsessive. Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. I am here once again with my best friend, Nathan Pepin. How's it going, Pepin? Well, I, I feel personally attacked. Good. Because I did not attack you. I was rather... Okay, I did. It was fun. <laughs> but it was funny, so it's okay. <laughs> it was it's hilarious, to be honest. <laughs> Glad to hear you're doing well. I'm doing well, too. Thanks for asking. So today's episode's going to be a little different than other list episodes we've done, only in the sense that usually I'm the one who controls the list and chooses when we change topics and what we change to. And this time, Nathan Pepin has done the research. He's gone out, and he has compiled a list himself that we're going to talk about. Nate, where did this list come from? So this list came from psychcentral.com and the URL is psychcentral.com slash blog slash 45 dash conversations dash starters dash two dash bolster dash you. Okay, whatever. Just just, just Google it. Uh, 45 conversations to bolster your bondage with families, friends and family. Your bondage with friends and family. So uh, this is about yeah. bondage. Yeah, a lot about bondage. And these okay. are sort of I'm questions. Yeah, These are questions that you were asked, like, you ever, like, go to, like, a corporate event or in school, and they ask you questions like, if you were invisible for one day, what would you do? Yeah. Or uh, imagine you're an animal. What animal would you be? Mm-hmm. So these are kind of, like, dumb like relationship building exercises different type of bondage than i was thinking about but yes i understand yeah so, so that's the list so let's get on with this question number one what's something about yourself that you hope will never change um my face hope i stay this young for all time that's that's a pretty good one uh personally i hope that i 
will stay in a state of living. Okay. Yep. I, I hope I never die. So yep. your state of being alive. Yeah, yep. that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, I think I have done, made a lot of effort to try and be positive and to keep a positive outlook. And I think that's a lot of what helps me get through the day and continue to strive to be better. Um, and though I may look negatively sometimes at myself and my actions, it is in an effort to continue to be good and to do better, which I think is in and of itself positive. So I would like that to continue um, my efforts to be positive and a positive force on the universe. I think that's something that's changed within you too, because I think back in high school and in college as well, at least for the first like year of college, you were pretty cynical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when did this change happen with you exactly? I don't know. Probably an acid trip or something <laughs> drug related. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to wake up in the morning and go about your day and want to do so and want to be better and do better if everything seems negative mm. and shining light and being that light, um, though it's not always possible as a rule of thumb, uh, really changes per- your perception of the entire world. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it's been really positive for me and I hope that I can continue to 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 be a positive force in general yeah yeah i'm gonna say that you made so in high school you became like a real asshole at one point Mm -hmm. like i almost stopped being your friend Mm -hmm. like at some point because like you went off the deep end a bit i mean you're just just kind of being like an asshole to everybody like uh just saying like really kind of mean things Mm -hmm. for no real reason uh i probably thought it was funny which was reason enough for me I, i think it was uh and it's it's like I got to like a bit of an extreme point, and so I started backing away. But then you started you know getting more positive. I think in college you're a bit yeah a bit more like uh, cynical, but you're yeah you're you're still fine. And but at some point yeah you just kind of changed like uh, just very upbeat, positive you know, fun to talk to. So yeah yeah mm. I can definitely say that you have that mentality and it kind of pushes things forward. You're not. If you, you get frustrated from time to time, but we all do, but it's not like in a cynical kind of way. It's like in a, like, I want this to be good mm. and it's not good. How do I make this good? Mm. I think a lot of that comes with self-reflection. And when I was younger and, and more naive, I would force all of the negativity that was in my life outward and say, it's everything but me. And upon, you know, actually coming to terms with myself and accepting myself and, not accepting myself to the degree that I want to continue to strive to be better, it has allowed me to realize that, yeah, I have faults. And you know what? That's okay. Because I'm going to realize my faults and I'm going to work and I'm going to make them better. And I am more than happy to take the blame for things that are because of me and to grow and become better because of it. And I think that that really is the the entire shift of, of uh, mentality from it's everyone else's fault but me, and here's my share of blame. I take that on my shoulders, and we'll get better. Mm-hmm. What strange habit do you have? So I can give mine uh, if you want. So mine, I think I've shared this before, but uh, what I do is, let's say I need to use the bathroom, and let's say I you know, take a crap, or let's say mm-hmm. I pee sitting down, whatever. You cut your dick open. Uh, yeah. Oh. Exactly. I try pee standing up. It doesn't work out all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it's like 
I will get up after I'm all done and I will whiff the toilet seat up. Mm-hmm. Like after the fact. And it doesn't make any sense. Especially if you sit. <laughs> I mean, I, I came up with an explanation for it, how it happened. Because what, what, what used to be the whole thing. So for people who don't know, I had dick surgery, blah, 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 blockage. Like I wasn't peeing very well. And so what happened is I would like use the bathroom. I'd like take a crap or something or maybe I'd just sit down to pee and I would get up and then I, I think I'd be like done. But then it's like I'd have to pee a little bit more. And so I'd lift the seat up and just pee that a little bit more. And then so over time that became a habit of lifting the seat up. Mm-hmm. And now I just naturally lift the seat up after I'm done, no matter what. Interesting. So th- that's that's my theory on that, though. But uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, like, it doesn't make any sense. And it pisses people off because it's like, there's no reason to have lifted the seat up here. Like, I'm just being an asshole as far as, like, most women are concerned. Mm. Um, I don't know. I Most people think that uh, my eating habits are weird because I eat, like, once a day. Um, I usually don't eat until four or five o'clock at night when I get home from work and I eat once and then that's it. I do the same kind of thing. It's called intermittent, it's called intermittent fasting. I mean, maybe not scientifically, but that's what people refer to in the colloquial kind of point of view. And people find it weird. People like doctors find it weird. And like really the scientific evidence is that it's not bad for you. There's actually some good stuff they can do. It's also maybe not great for you. Uh, there's certain benefits, certain detriments, blah, 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 blah. It's But it's not like it's just bad. But people will say, that's terrible. You should never do that. I mean, it works for a lot of people, and it's not necessarily terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. th- put it this way. Think about, like, our ancestors. Our ancestors would go, like, days and days without eating sometimes because food's kind of hard to come by a lot of times. Like, you may not catch that deer or find those berries for, like, a day or two. So we're kind of built to go on, like, hunger mode. But most people, they're accustomed to eating all the time, mm. you know, three or four times a day. So I think people have a weird perception of that, which isn't, mm. which shouldn't be accurate. I I have a real weird one that's really hard to explain. If you want me to try, I will do my best. Yeah. But I can't guarantee that you'll fully understand what the fuck I'm talking about. Right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So every time I see a word, let's take the word start, for example, I associate it, I break it down to its letters. I want to put the letters that are close to each other together and the ones that are further apart away from each other. But I do this based on my hand. So looking at my hand right now and go ahead and look at your hand. You have five fingers, right? Mm -hmm. There's one right in the middle and two on either side. So I would organize the word start with an S on the thumb, on the thumb, a T on the pinky, A in the middle, R on the left, the pointer finger, and then the other T on the other finger. That way the two T's are paired, the S and the R, which are really close to each other in the alphabet, one, one away next to each other, and the A in the middle because it's not near any of them. And when do you do this? All the time, almost nonstop. Really? So it's like S-T-A-R-T. Huh. And then and then I have to do, so this is like super OCD and like the real form of OCD, not when everyone's yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's OCD. Then I have to do every iteration of it. So then if I started with the S on my thumb, now the S is on my pinky. So it's S-T-A-R-T. And then I start with this finger and then I start with this finger. 
but I'm always going in the order that the letters go. So if I can wrap around, I, I try not to go like across to, I start with my thumb and then I go to my ring finger and then my pointer. I try and go around if I can in the quickest, most logical path possible. And I do it for every iteration for all my fingers. So I'm doing a minimum of five different iterations, but I'm probably doing more than that because I can mix it up to go S-T-A-R-T or S-T-A-R-T. And then I have to do it starting with this finger and then start. And it's absolutely maddening. So this is not my question. I, I, I don't think this needs to be asked, but the audience is asking this question. I, I can tell you that. Why? I don't know. Yeah, this goes for that. Because okay, I, I relate to this because there's dumb things my brain does that don't make any sense. And when you explain them, it's like, well, why do you do that? It's like, uh. I, I've, I've never known anybody else who's the same way in any capacity. That's that. Okay. It gets even yeah. weirder if there's more than or less than five letters. Because then I have to go around my fingers enough times until it equals out to five. So if there's four letters, it would be four and then another four and then another four and then another four and then another four. And then that's enough. Yeah, that's definitely pretty strange. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, I think this is part of being honest, like we talked about last episode. You know, I mean, it's pretty weird, but it's not it's not bad. This is kind of kind of what it is. It's it's like I used to have a compulsive thing back in the day where it's like uh, if I touched like one of my fingers i had to touch the other one mm-hmm. like i had to even things out. everything had to be even if i've touched like one leg i had to touch the other one in the same spot and sometimes i wouldn't touch in the right spot so i have to touch the other one and then touch the other one and kind of get everything even like even sensation even kind of uh number of times and it's like it it wasn't like ever to a point of being uh disabled so it's not ocd because ocd would affect your life but it would be a bit ridiculous and then whatever like number i had i always had to make it even in some sort of way so i had to have a way to like make it even on both sides and then odd numbers were always the issue and so whenever i was an odd age i would like be like kind of like i'm uncomfortable for this year essentially i feel Mm -hmm. like because i'd count like on both sides and it's like okay there's this one in the middle here Mm -hmm. Uh, how do i like even this like it just made me feel eh. yeah kind of pissed me off i can't i can't explain it um and it doesn't doesn't make any sense and then sometimes if I need an extra letter, I'll do all of them at once. And that counts as one. That, that one is pretty weird. But That's real weird. I'd love to know if anybody else in the world does anything even remotely close to that. Yeah. Some things people do is just kind of like why. Mm-hmm. But, but they probably don't know why. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the issue. What is the most influential book you've read? Influential? Yeah. What book has influenced you the most? The Bible. Really? Yeah. What? That's got amazing uh, lessons and and knowledge in it, and uh, I think if you don't take it literally and instead you take it for the lessons within it, it's an amazing book. Okay, I'm not gonna say you're not right. I, <laughs> How could you? I'm yeah, giving mean, an opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. like, I'm not gonna disagree just because you said a religious book. <laughs> okay, good. Don't be an asshole then. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's, it's it's not something I I, just, I saw coming from you. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more my my uh, my my shock. Mm-hmm. Or, or for a while, I mean, I kind of looked down on the Bible as being a bit esoteric and not having too much value to it. Mm-hmm. But there's a lecture series by a psychologist guy named uh, Jordan Peterson, 
and he does a series on the Bible, and this, a lot of the stories and messages are a lot more deeper than they kind of seem. And it, it's kind of taking the things literally, which kind of like undo you a bit. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, for some reason, I think it's because there's certain people out there, uh, like the fundamentalists that take things literally, which people will naturally kind of combat that because they then start taking the thing literally when it's more like a figurative thing, like a, like a metaphorical thing. Mm. So, okay, okay. I, I get you there. I get you there. Not the most entertaining book I've ever read, but... You read the whole thing? Um, it, I mean, not straight through, mm-hmm. but over time, yeah. Hmm. See, I've... I had an interest in the Bible for a, a little while there. I mean, not like a... Uh, like, I'm going to read it, or like I'm into the Bible, but more like... I, I like the kind of the, th- the thought behind the thought. Like... Mm-hmm some of the explanations behind it. Uh, there was a, I think I brought this up on another podcast, but there's a guy named the Bible, Bible geek who kind of gives lots of like little details about the writing of the Bible and why things were constructed the, the way they were, why the story is this and how things are interplaying with everything. It's, it's not so much from a, from a religious point of view, but it's more like a kind of person trying to understand this culture and why things are the way they are in the Bible. Mm. And that I found interesting or the meaning behind the stories. Cause you know, what meaning does, Jesus have when he uh, fucks up that fig tree mm-hmm. or why did what meaning did it have for say Moses to have his staff turn to a snake and invite the other staff to turn to a snake mm-hmm. on the Egyptian side you know mm-hmm. what, what's going on there so I, I find that very interesting from like a not just a mythological perspective but also a a, a kind of cultural perspective mm-hmm. speaking of the Bible Shrek so you know, do you know what story, do you know, you know how all of the characters in Shrek are from fairy tales? Yeah. yeah. Did you know that Donkey comes from the Bible? Is that the story where, I, wait, so you're saying that Donkey is the story from like where the donkey's talking or something like that? In that, the Bible, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know he's from that. Well, I mean, what else would he be from? What other story has a talking donkey? I thought he was just like a talking animal. No, I mean, he's from a specific story and it's the Bible. Ah, that's kind of so. As you can see, why they didn't point that out because uh, that would be supercharged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's from this fairy. Oh, but okay, I could, I can see that. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. That's definitely an argument. Look it up, people. What fear would you like to overcome? Um, all of them. All of them. Uh, let, let's start with public speaking. Not a big fan of it, but I'm continually putting myself in situations where. Um, I have to do it and I think over time that will make it less of a dramatic thing for me and it'll feel natural mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Public speaking is like one of those ones which is like almost everyone has a fear of it or some mm-hmm. sort of uncomfortability with it uh, If I'm being honest, it's like so I don't The public speaking is not my bother. It's like the stuff before the public speaking Like I kind of like presenting in front of a crowd or in front of people but it's kind of being in a crowded environment that makes it just doesn't make any sense the way I'm saying this, but it's it's not the it's not the speaking in front of a crowd that makes me uncomfortable. It's just having a crowd mm-hmm. like being like if I have enough space, I guess I'm fine. I guess there's pressure there. But uh, like you've seen me present a couple of times. Like I think I do a pretty good job yeah. for the most point. I, I, I somehow come across as really funny because people just laugh at everything I say. Like, I'm not even making jokes. People are laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm just kind of unintentionally funny when I present. But, I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, but th that's a pretty common one. Also, I forgot I didn't answer what's my favorite novel or most influential book. Uh, that is 1984. Because, you know, it's a pretty good book. Uh, it, it kind of informed like a lot of my thinking about the government and society and how things work. Because it's kind of just... It kind of instinctively clicked with me. Like a lot of people, they have to like get into the mindset of that world, and they have a hard time like simulating it or kind of like understanding it. But I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, that's the kind of the way things are. Yep, yep. You immediately understood, like, oh yeah, that is how the world is. All this fascism. Yeah, war is peace. Uh, and all like it, it's it just kind of made sense to me. Now there's a psychologist guy. I forget who he was, but uh, he was talking about. The book of 1984 and how it's kind of strange that George Orwell, the author of the book, how he could have written that book because it describes a totalitarian kind of fascist society super, super well, but he'd never actually seen one of societies firsthand. And the argument he gave is that he had such a you know vivid knowledge or kind of imagination for it because he himself internally was kind of like that fascist. Mm. Like he was kind of the person who was kind of driving himself the ruler of all, kind of creating these ecological consistencies. He was projecting himself onto a greater society. Hmm. And internally, I think a lot of people like that. And where, so like an id ego, super ego type of deal? Kind of. like. So it's like you have you yourself, or you have your, your different parts of your personality, and then you have your kind of logical kind of like, let's get to this, like the... the I'm not sure what would be in Freudian psychology, but essentially like the... Uh, decision-making processor so that kind of takes full kind of stock and starts acts acting like it's like a uh like a general it starts giving commands and it doesn't really negotiate with your body it just treats everything like it's supposed to be subservient to that thing mm -hmm. the decision maker yeah your super ego or whatever you call it so that kind of creates a totalitarian kind of state within your mind because your whole body is subjugated to your will Whereas a more kind of, there's more than kind of natural options, I would argue, or more kind of healthy relationships between you and your feelings and your emotions. But for a while, I, I was kind of like that myself, where I was very, like, I rejected all the parts of me, and the parts I didn't like, I was just trying to force them to how I thought they should be. And that's a very kind of a totalitarian way to kind of interact with your own self. Mm. It kind of takes any autonomy out of your own kind of uh, processes and beings and kind of just uh, says, you know, you're going to do it or you're going to like it. Sorry. So you're George Orwell. Uh, well, I, no, I, I, I no, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I misunderstood. No, no. George Orwell had these aspects where he describes society. So you see yourself in George Orwell. Yeah. Well, so so no, this is the argument I'm making. So the argument I'm making is that George Orwell, he had this dystopian society he had this kind of uh, world that was created and he realized that world because of his own internal dysfunction and that I kind of naturally understood that dysfunction in the world because I had that dysfunction as well. So you see George Orwell in you. Uh, yeah. So well, you're at the bottom. Yeah. Well, I'd like to be a top though. Well, you got to see yourself in George Orwell. I could be a power bottom though. <laughs> the most powerful bottom. That's kind of a double entendre, huh? The most powerful bottom needs the most powerful bottom. <laughs> Please move on. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
Hey, it's Chris from The Vinyl Loft, the Upper Valley's all-vinyl podcast, spinning over seven decades of great music on a format that has refused to die. We spin nothing but vinyl, classic rock, alternative, heavy metal, and much, much more. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and we are proud to be on podcastnh.com. If you could travel back in time, what year would you visit? Um, right now. <laughs> um, I don't, so is this like a casual visit? Is this like a, like now I'm there and move forward with my life from that point? What What are we talking about? So I'm thinking the question to be like a visit, like you visit Spain, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe a vacation. You can spend like a, a week there, maybe a couple of days, uh, a month. Uh, I suppose you could decide to stay there full time if you really liked it. So there's no like time limit necessarily, but the way you're approaching it initially is like a trip to Spain. I would go to 1999. Why? Because then I could be an awesome rapper with all these new styles and flows that are way before their time. I could invest in the dot coms and uh, make a shit ton of money when I get back to real time and be rich and I could flirt with the 90s babes okay I mean it's funny you chose 1999 because most people would say like oh I'd go back to 1933 because mm-hmm. then I could do this and this and that because then I could be in the dust bowl yeah yeah 1999 is not a bad era because it's not too bad right it's you know the current era is coming right up to it and it's also like with rap, you can't be too early with rap, mm-hmm. but you can't be too late. Right. So 1999 is like the just the right. I would be custom. just good enough to be a rapper in 1999. And who knows if it didn't work out, it'd be fine because you have stocks. Exactly. And I'd have invested in Amazon and Google. Where, when would you go, Nate? 1933? See, this question is really hard to answer like like personally or I mean, like realistically because... It's like the people I'd want to meet, I probably wouldn't be able to meet them. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of like assumptions, right? Because mm-hmm. let's say I go back to the time where Newton is alive. I mean, I haven't heard of Like, I can't meet people in the current era. Like, let's say celebrities and stuff. Why would I be able to meet Newton? Like, mm-hmm. what makes me think I could just go back in time and meet Newton and he'd want to actually talk to me? No, well, I think there was a lot less like celebrity-ishness about celebrities back then and i don't think he was as much a celebrity he was probably not very well celebrated in his time was he uh he was very celebrated was he yeah well and pick someone who wasn't very celebrated in their time and then go back and meet them i guess that's an idea um it, actually if i could go back and meet them just before they actually get famous talk to richard Feynman, maybe okay i don't know who that is yeah he's a famous physicist but he's pretty awesome but uh, yeah i don't know i mean i could go back in time and actually i know what I want to do is I want to go back and okay I'm gonna I'm gonna put some caveats here. I'd like to go back to when the dinosaurs were around, and I would like to have some sort of protection mechanism, like maybe a giant armored car or just something that would keep me safe, essentially, because there's the chance of dying. But I'd want to see the dinosaurs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or anyone in particular? Oh uh, no, they're just 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 around once. I want to see the T Rex. So if you saw just one dinosaur, you'd be like, oh, I'm good. Uh, well, I want to see the T-Rex, but okay. I, I want to see also a saber-toothed lion. Okay. 
or tiger, whatever the actual phrase is. I know people get like pedantic about that, mm-hmm. but I want to see like one of those giant fucking cats because they're, like the size of like a truck and it's a cat. And lions really kind of like terrify me. Like they're amazing. Like I, I love them, but they also terrify me. Like it's like kind of like, one of those love fear relationships mm-hmm. and just like a real relationship. Yeah. So a giant cat like the size of a truck. Like, that is just really interesting. And I want to see that. I mean, I would be really terrified, but that's kind of why I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. I could also see The Rock live in his the height of his whole deal. <laughs> the Rock want... v. Stone Cold v. Chris Jericho. What a match. I'd, I'd want to be there where, uh, what, what was it? The Rock came in on, no, Stone Cold. Stone Cold came in on... Mankind and keep going. <laughs> I have not. I'm listening. So, so the mankind was trying to get like he was trying to win the heavyweight title, and uh, he was getting beat up and losing and blah 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 blah. And it was in the fair match. And then Stone Cold comes right at the end, and people he just like starts stringing people, and it's like blah blah blah, and the whole crowd goes crazy. It's the biggest pop of all time. I, I'd want to be there. That'd be a really good pop to be there for. Yep. Yep. How do you deal with doubt? Um, I I try and mitigate it to the best of my ability. Um, I mean, it's uh, doubt is always going to to creep its way in, but uh, having a generally positive attitude in conjunction with um, trying to understand that though the doubt may be there, it may be unfounded, and that letting the doubt have control is would be equally as logical as letting zero doubt have control um, and that they both have their place and uh, to learn what I can from it and then let it move on. Yeah. yeah. Doubt's one of those hard things to tackle because it's like people often talk about doubt as it's just, it's just like a terrible kind of thing that you need to get, get past or get over. But doubt's very useful. I mean, it shows you you don't have the full picture maybe, or maybe you're taking a risk. What I really don't like is that people don't, they're not honest about the risks they're taking. So it's like, uh, for instance, I'm building an app and the app may not be used by anybody. There's that risk. Now, I think maybe there's still value in doing the thing on its own, but the idea that I'm not taking some risk of just wasting my time with this, I mean, that's a very real risk. Uh, Right now, you're building a business with with the podcast network and there's some risk it won't work out. Mm-hmm. And that risk is uh, very real, but you're willing to take that risk. But saying that, you know, just shut down the haters and the doubters and, you know, just believe in yourself and it'll work out. Well, that's not true. There's there's some risk you're taking. Mm-hmm. It may not pan out. It may it may pan out. You know, you have some, some control over that, but you don't have ultimate control. Mm-hmm. Right. There's always a risk with things. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think it's unreasonable to doubt, um, but I think it's unreasonable to let the doubt make decisions for you. I think doubt can help help you make decisions, but it shouldn't make the decisions, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would be the greatest day in your life? Like, what's the perfect day? Mm, I, that's too that's too big. I can't think. I can't think of that. Too big. Yeah. I think winning the lottery would work for me. Yeah. Yeah. People think that money will make them happy, mm-hmm. and I don't think it will. I mean, I, I okay. There's 
some research that shows that money up to like $70,000 or $100,000 will make you happier. But once you get beyond that, it doesn't make you any happier. So there's some evidence for that, that having, you know, a decent income, but not like extravagant income will, will make you happier. Then you want to test that theory, but I'd be more happy. I mean, having a lot of money is good because that's security, safety, blah, 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 blah. But the thing I'd be more intrigued with or more happy about is that this would free me up to do what I actually want to do, mm-hmm. which if if I had no, how do you say this, no obligation to anything or no cost to anything, if the cost of living was down to zero, essentially, or if I had enough to supply the cost of living, then I would probably feel fully i could fully invest myself into say researching certain topics probably going to school and getting super into these kind of trivial or maybe not trivial like if i could become a researcher or a an architect in say something with quantum quantum computing or something in ai that would be very interesting to me like those are fields that are super super intriguing and i'd want to study something you know something very heavy on the cost of technology and it's kind of hard to do that when you're not already in that kind of state of being like there's a hard cost that's a very large cost to pay and i don't have that money so if i won the lottery i could just kind of free myself up to do whatever i wanted to essentially and what i want to do is probably something super scientific like that but how do you compare winning the lottery and never having to worry about money again to um meeting the love of your life or getting married or having a kid or um having a a birthday party with all of the people that you love and care about there um and you guys are able to perfectly express your emotions towards each other um in a way that everybody's on the same page and, and there's just that feeling of love all around you I, I can't come up with a scenario that would I could come up with too many scenarios, I guess, is really the problem where it would be amazing. But I could probably add one other thing that's going to make it better. Or one other thing. I think it's too big of a question. Um, I think if you if I can speak in generalities, it would involve uh, the the absence of um, stress and anxiety and feeling like I'm not doing enough. Um, I would feel complete and I would feel love and I would be able to express love to everybody around me. And that would make up the, the, uh, a perfect day. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you talk more about the, the value of relationships and people. And then I'm focusing more on the value of say ideas and kind of, uh, mm. it's, I think it's two different ways to get meaning from life and to kind of, uh, it, but I don't. I think they're equally valid. Like mm-hmm. some people will say to me that uh, you know, the real value you get from life is your friends, your family, your relationships, and I think they are talking about themselves there. I think they get value from those things, and I'm not saying that I don't get value from those things as well. But for me to have more of a focus on ideas and creation and say uh, intellectual knowledge and the meaning I would get from say making something or discovering something or figuring something out kind of that intellectual pursuit i I think people shouldn't dismiss that as not being valuable or not being meaningful for that person because it's two different kind of sets but i think they're compatible but one's not better one's not worse it's two different aims nate's perfect day is 
24 straight hours of getting a blowjob from all different women throughout the whole day. Nate's perfect day. Oh, wait, you need me to add money. And every minute you get a dollar. That's pretty cool. You get a hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. hundred dollars. thousand dollars per woman. Yeah. Yeah. For them to give you a blowy. Yeah. Nate's perfect day. Okay. Someone write that in a script and send that in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> they want to make that bad boy. Okay. This, this is a little bit uh, tangential, but one, so, so there's a, uh, little Dicky has a music video for like, like, so, I don't know. It's something with a little Wayne, I think it is. And they swap bodies. So little Dicky is now little Wayne's body. And then little Wayne's in, uh, little Dicky's body. And, and there's some comedy there, blah, blah, blah. The one issue I have with the song is that Lil Wayne trades himself like the hype he is in the songs. Uh, like, like, what do you mean? Like, he, Lil Dicky wakes up in bed with like two gorgeous girls, and his whole life is just hanging out with girls and hot tubs and all this kind of stuff. Maybe that's actually how he lives. I don't know. But it, it's like, I feel like when rappers talk about themselves, they're kind of hyping themselves up like comically, mm-hmm. or the, the, like, like, it's not actually true, but it's like, he was treating like it as if that's who he actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, like, well, isn't, isn't he on the song, a rapper, therefore he would want to portray the person that he is as a rapper, that persona. So, I mean, it really makes sense. It, it does. I'm not going to disagree, okay. but I think, I think my only issue with it is little Dicky takes it to be as if he, he is himself, mm-hmm. which maybe, we can say that maybe our perception that he is himself is not like this rapper thing, uh, which might be disagreeable because he's listened to him on podcasts or interviews and he kind of has a bit of an ego about himself, like, a, like most rappers do. But yeah, he's he's taking more comically, whereas uh, Lil Wayne's taking more seriously, mm-hmm. like uh, like as if he actually is this, which maybe he is. I don't know, but it it's like it I don't know, it, it kind of struck me as a little weird. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you'd be Lil Wayne. I'd be Lil Is that Wayne. What you're getting at? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I can't decide if I would actually want like a bunch of girls all at the same time. Like, on some level, I do. But then, if I was asking that circumstance, I'd be like, "Huh, you know, this is a little awkward." <laughs> okay, start fighting over me. Okay, I know you guys don't really want to be here. Maybe you do. I don't know. Like oh, I, did, I just like really start doubt. overthinking everything. Doubt's popping in, buddy. No, how do I deal with doubt? I take it seriously. How do you deal with doubt? You got a lot of money. That's how. <laughs> I give them an extra thousand dollars, and they really want to be like, there. Now you really want to be here, <laughs> yeah. huh? Okay, this question is very pertinent to you. Uh, when do you pray? How often? What motivates you to pray? Um, I don't, I don't think I pray in like a classical sense. Um, I think it's, it's not like a focused, like thinking about God and then asking for things. It's more of a continuous belief that, um, if I continue to be true on the inside to, myself and the universe that, um, in return, the universe will respond, will reciprocate. Um, 
so I, I think it's it's praying in the sense that my intention is to put out positive vibes, but it's not praying in the sense that I am asking a deity for a favor, which I vehemently disagree with. Mm-hmm. God, please give me this thing because I'm a good boy. It's I understand that there is no hiding from the truth within myself and that being able to reflect, identify and continue to propagate positivity over negativity is extremely important Um, and that it will in and of itself propagate more positivity directed towards me. Okay. See, see, I was intending that to be a joke question, but you took it very seriously, which is good. Nate, who do you prey on? Uh, fucking pervert. Well, okay, I mean, there you go. Now it's yeah, a joke. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I, I walk into that. <laughs> Happy now, Nate. Uh, Trying to be real with you, and you want to make jokes about my religion. But yeah, I, I think fucking that creep. I like the answer there, though. That was a pretty good answer. <laughs> uh, I think I pray in like one or two instances. Like I prayed somewhat recently, and the instance is always like when I have stomach trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like if I have diarrhea, I always start praying. I like, I feel. I'm feeling like I'm being like really like. I'm not trying to be offensive here. I, I legit do this. <laughs> like, I, no, no, it's not offensive. I just imagine Jesus up in heaven going, "Oh, here's the shit guy again. Gut, <laughs> gut, fucking bowel problems. He's gonna, he's gonna start praying to me." <laughs> I I used to pray a lot when I was a kid, so like that prayer kind of instinct is there, but it, it went away after I became an adult. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm not religious anymore, but it, it always comes back when I, yeah, am shitting like extremely hard, like uh, diarrhea, or you know maybe I'm just really constipated and it's not coming out very well, or if um, too many bananas. Uh, yeah, too many bananas. And what? bananas will give you constipation if you eat too many. Hey, did I mention that I bought a five-pound bag of banana chips recently? Oh, okay. Okay. I thought banana was a euphemism for dick. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay Steve. Um, I see what you're doing there. But okay, yeah, yeah, go on. So, how was it? It's great. I'm probably one pound in and uh, <laughs> I'm doing it uh, at a reasonable pace, a little bit every night, just as a snack in, in lieu of ice cream or chocolate or something like that. Um, it's a little less sweet, so my taste buds appreciate that. I don't, I'm not a big fan of super sweet things. And it also is somewhat nutritious for me, um, which is a nice little added bonus. So did you experience constipation? No, no, because I understood that that was a possibility and have taken action to mitigate that issue. You did your research. Something like that. So you pray when you're shitting. Yep. Um, Do you ever do you ever pray for not for yourself, but for either other people or in a positive light in thanks of. Um, positive of positive things in your life. Yeah, actually, that's one other instance. So not really. I'm gonna say not really. But if someone is ever having, uh, let's say you hear someone gone to a car accident and it's someone you are near and dear to, uh, I might start praying for that person. Mm-hmm. I don't like put in contact with you, and then it said I might, <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying. I get it. Yeah, because uh, c- that's natural kind of instinct and. I don't know what it does exactly, but, you know, I know it's not rational or it's not, you know, the thing itself, but it is kind of what I do. Uh, I think it, I think it makes sense though, because, you know, you're kind of like leaving it up to some third party entity and that entity might be God in some people's minds, but it might be, you know, reality in my end, but it's kind of saying what way you want to 
it, you, you're kind of saying what way you want reality to be, mm-hmm. what what kind of end you want, mm-hmm. and you're trying. You know, I don't think I'm it putting actually, positive thoughts out there. Yeah, I don't think it does anything because it you know doesn't weave the scope of your mind, but I think it helps you deal with that thing. I think it does do something. I think that uh, if reality is perception, then adding your own influence to perception um, is. In, it could never have a negative impact. It could only, if it has an impact, be a positive one. So I don't think reality is perception. I think perception helps you interact with reality, and it will form the way you act, interact with reality. But I, like, you can say that the way you see the, th- the world will inform how you act in the world. So that's how perception interacts with reality. But I can't say that reality itself is a function of perception. I think it, reality feeds into your perception, and then you feed into reality based off that perception. It's kind of like a like a circle. I fundamentally disagree with you. What's the next question? So next question here is going to be read next time because uh, this podcast has gotten a bit long. We're at the 45 minute mark right now. And that's after editing. So uh, next time on We Need to Talk, question time, part two, be prepared, be ready, and have a great day. We need to talk. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Plunge. My name is Riley. And I'm Davis. And we are The Plunge Podcast. We are three college kids on a quest through life to try to figure out how to become adults. Talking about love and getting rejected by it mostly on Tinder, social media, and the real world. So if you want to follow us on our journey through life, you can follow us on Twitter at Plunge Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at The Plunge Podcast. You can listen to us on all streaming platforms. And last but not least, you can find us on podcastnh.com.